On this week's episode of Between Two Beers, we hear Megan Compain's remarkable journey from Basketball Hall of Famer to All Blacks commercial manager and all the best stories in between. And, and Michael Jordan was basically walking down the hallway getting held up by two of his, you know, people and he was done. And that was the game where he hit the winning buzzer of a shot and took it back to game six where I think they won in, in Chicago. So we sort of crossed in the in the hallway and it was just sort of one of those, whoa, like if I was on, you know, back at, if it was now, you'd be snapping away like yeah. social media. Between Two Beers, listen on iHeartRadio or anywhere you get your podcasts. Oh, g'day, it's Mash here. Welcome back to another episode of The Resourcer, which is where we fill a hole in the Matt and Jerry Show podcast schedule uh, with some old podcasts of Matt Heath. Uh, of course, it's called The Resourcer because uh, back in the day, Matt Heath was recording some podcasts called The Self Sourcer, which is where he would write a New Zealand Herald article and then do a solo podcast about it uh, on the Matt and Jerry Show podcast feed and release it on a Sunday. So we thought that not everyone heard those and not everyone that would... Uh, that wanted to would have heard those and not everyone that uh, did hear them wouldn't want to hear them again so let's just chuck them up and see how you guys uh, see how you deal with them but uh, again this is just going to be two episodes of the self-saucer from uh, back in the day but don't stress we're only now about four or five days away from our first uh, summer series podcast to be released which is fresh podcasts that include the entire team myself Jeremy Wells Matt Heath and Ruta and we will be releasing Quite a few episodes across summer, actually. The, the most we've ever done to keep you uh, satisfied with your Matt and Jerry Show podcast fix. But anyway, uh, before, without further ado, let's get stuck into the first self-saucer of today's episode. Uh, where Matt Heath is talking about ways to get some quality time in. Hey, today on The Self Saucer, we're looking at a way to stop wasting the precious moments we have on this earth with the people that we love, particularly those precious moments you have with your kids, friends and flatmates. You have, in total, 4,000 weeks on earth. It's grim to think about it, but that's 4,000 weeks in total if you are lucky. And uh, the time you have with the people you care about is much, much less than that. You could really, really, really like someone and in total spend 10 weeks with them. And that's scary. So if you're going to spend 10 weeks with someone, if you're going to spend any time with someone that you love... You don't want to do it on your phone zoned out, do you? Okay, without further ado, let's get self-sourcing. This King's Birthday weekend, I'm deploying a new and powerful weapon in the fight to keep my kids off their phones. And it's playing cards. So when I say new, I mean old. Because cards first appeared in Europe via Egypt in the 1370s. They might be a thousand or two thousand years older than that. No one quite knows. Back then though, in the 1370s and before the printing press came about, 
Cards were meticulously hand-painted hand painted, and reserved only for the extremely wealthy. Nowadays, you can get a pack for about $1.99 at your local dairy. But when used aggressively, they can out-entertain a $2,000 iPhone. They can out-entertain a PS5. Before we go into that, there's a brutal truth that all parents and friends must face. When it comes to kids, we must face that our time with our beloved children is fleeting. In the midst of teaching, feeding, housing them, housing them, housing them, and toughening them up to face the world, it feels like the nurturing will last forever, but it won't. One day, they're little babies, the next, they're six foot two, 100 kgs, and hugely embarrassed to be seen with you. A few years after that, they're out the door and they're gone. Now, I'm a huge fan of Bill Simmons, the uh, American sport and entertainment podcaster. And recently on his Rewatchables pod, he shared a heartbreaking little story. Just an aside before the, before the show started, he just, he'd just dropped his daughter off at college and he realized he'd be only seeing her on holidays from now on. So that was it. She was at college. The only times he was going to see her was during her holidays. And then he realized a few years later, she would start skipping most of those holidays as her life gets more complicated, she gets a job. Then at some point, she'll probably start her own family. That could even happen in a different city, depending who she meets. And, and then mum and dad will slip further and further down her priorities. So with tears in his eyes, he didn't say this, but I imagine there were tears in his eyes, Bill realized that he will soon be lucky if he saw the person he's cared so much about, his beloved daughter. He'll feel lucky if he sees her so much as once a year. Eventually, he'll feel lucky if he gets a phone call from her. And this is true of friends, workmates and flatmates too. You don't have long with anyone. They all go away. They all go away. I mean, a great thought experiment, or I don't know if you'd call it that, but you must remember someone that you've worked with and then they moved to another job and you really liked them and you thought you'd stay in touch and you were going to organise to have beers and then maybe you did that once and then never again and then suddenly it's five years later and you look back and go, Jesus Christ, what happened to Reginald? He's gone and he was so important in my life. So it might just be worth considering spending some quality time with your friends, family, children, flatmates while they are around because they won't be around forever. And if you spend that time with these important people just staring at your phone like an absolute zombie, you're making an absolute helmet of yourself. As parents, I think, I'm a parent of two boys, we kind of picture that there'll be a funeral one day, our funeral, and our kids will be standing around crying it's like we kind of imagine that we'll be the ones that leave them by dying first, God willing. But in reality, they leave us behind a long time before that. They disconnect, they differentiate, they grow up, and then they just go, and there's no stopping it. In fact, good parenting facilitates it. A quality upbringing produces powerful children who quickly become so competent and strong that they don't need us anymore. They, If you're, if you're a good parent... Your kids will be out and about. They won't be scared of words. They won't need safe spaces. 
they'll build, they won't destroy, and they and they won't need you. And the best we can hope for is a few crumbs of quality time whenever we have them around. Unfortunately, in 2023, we waste these years, the time with these our kids, the time together in, in, in our lives with our friends and family and kids and workmates. We waste this time on our screens, staring at wine glasses and phones. And I think we're going to end up regretting this for the rest of our lives. We're going to look back on all these people and say, that person was right in front of me and I was staring into some bullshit app that was boring the crap out of me. I was on Reddit when a friend was across the table from me. I mean, most humiliating of all, you were arguing with someone about politics on Twitter. No, no, I don't think there's anyone saying that would be listening to that, would ever get involved in that. Anyway, this is why I have started aggressively cornering my children for a game of cards as soon as they get home from school. It doesn't sound that revolutionary, as I said before. Cards have been around a very long time. And look, getting them to play an ancient game like cards isn't easy. Um, you need you need a good sales pitch. My two sons respond best to insults such as, You suck. Prepare to be... You suck. Prepare to be defeated. Or, Prepare to be crushed by a better man than you will ever be. This will work with uh, friends as well. Challenges like this, challenges like this are hard for a teenager to ignore. They they create in your offspring a powerful desire to conquer and humiliate you. And unbeknownst to them though, after the challenge has been laid down and they accept it, they're actually being tricked into spending quality time with dad. Back in just a minute with more from Matt Heath, that's me, and the Sunday self source. And we're back on the Sunday Self Saucer with me, Matt Heath. <laughs> Crack up. Now the game you choose is important. A child won't sit down for cribbage, gin rummy or bridge. It has to be fast and furious. My attempts to play chess daily with my kids were heavily resisted. That's why in our house we're playing a game called Speed, you probably know it. A nerve-wracking two-player card game requiring lightning quick reaction times. Google the rules if you don't know them, but basically you have an equal number of cards that must be placed in order in the centre as quickly as possible. And look, children will jump at a chance to shut up a taunting dad in a fast-paced, aggressive game like this. And yeah, as I say, before you know it, they have enjoyed a half hour of father-son bonding time, a, a wholesome mix of laughter, skill, competition, smack talk, and absolutely no phones. And of course, you can do the same thing with your friends. Maybe it's poker. But you will have a better time if you convince your flatmates and your friends to sit around and do something like play cards rather than freaking sit on your phone like zombies, as I said before. And look, if the cards go well, because this is a low effort entry into the world of engaging with other people that you care about, you could look to future-proof your parent-child relationship or your friend-friend relationship with bigger activities. You've got to lean into the golf Everyone loves smashing balls at a driving range, maybe fishing, squash, or pickleball if you want to do something humiliating. Uh, anything you can share that that they will want to continue to do with you. If it's your kids, your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, if you're still around. I mean, golf is something you could keep playing forever with your child. 
And they're like, you know, texting you, you want to play golf? They go, yeah, I'll go play golf with your dad. Same with your friends. Max Dickens wrote this uh, fantastic book, the British comedian called Billy No Mates, where he investigated having no friends and what you do to get them. But he was talking about injecting effort into friend groups. And he talked about the concept of being a Sherpa, where you're the Sherpa in your friend group. You're the person that organizes the trips, that invites people to these things, books the bowling rink, gets something going every week. Maybe it's a, like, maybe it's a footy team, who knows? But be the Sherpa in your friends that is the organizer and the inviter and, and um, the leader gets things going. And look, people might be resistant, but you always feel better when you spend quality time with your friends and family, workmates, etc. Now, going back to parenting, modern parents are needy. And um, look, we've gotten too close to our kids. And as a result, our little ones will inv- inevitably hurt us when they leave. Like parents of old, dads particularly. They hardly engaged with their kids, so when the kids left, they weren't shedding too many tears. But we've got so close to our kids, so... Look, what we need to do is play it smart and and grab as much quality device-free time as we can with them while they're around. And that goes for friends as well. And uh, it can start with something as simple as tricking people into playing cards with you once a day. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Maddie. All right, now before we go on, I'm just going to ask that we take a uh, quick break. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, there we go. Thank you for thank you for waiting. And now we're just going to push on to the uh, second self-sourcer of this episode. It is Matt Heath asking you the question, are you a passive-aggressive piece of shit? God, I sure hope not. Enjoy. Let's get passive-aggressive. On today's pod, I want to talk about a conversation I had with an Australian friend of mine last week who's working over here for a year. She shared her honest thoughts about us, about New Zealanders. She says, she says, she says to me, you New Zealanders are nice. I love it here. It's beautiful. But you 
Fuckers never say what you effing mean. Terrible Australian accent. She went on to moan, you guys think Australians are abrasive and rude because we tell it like it is. But at least you know where you stand back home in Australia. She tells me, she says, she says, she says to me, she says, she says, it took her six months before she realised in New Zealand, if someone says, I'll see what I can do about that, that means I'm not going to do anything about that. And also, if someone says, I should be able to swing by later, means I'm not coming. She finished her rant to me by saying, you guys are lovely, I love being here, it's great, but also you're so passive-aggressive, you're so passive-aggressive, and that hurt, mainly because it's true. We don't say what we mean in New Zealand, we're so scared of offending people that we don't say what it mean. If, say, for example, someone in a workplace, you'll probably have experienced this, has done something wrong, instead of going up to them and saying exactly what they've done wrong, a manager or a co-worker will start backstabbing or say the exact opposite, or a manager will get everyone in the room together and say someone is doing this, rather than just going up and saying, mate, you're not doing a very good job in this area and getting it out in the open. The use of passive aggression, it stems in my opinion, from an inclination to avoid confrontations, despite the fact that many of us feel constantly annoyed and let down by others. And in my opinion, being passive-aggressive is, is, is weak, it's counterproductive, it's, it's a dishonest trick, and it needs to be stamped out. No one should put up with rubbish like, per our last email. You know, if you haven't done something and they send the, the same request through with per our last email, by which they mean... I've already asked you to do this and you haven't. Or someone saying, well, if that's what you want to do, then fine. Or just, I'm fine when they're not. If we want to live in a harmonious, productive society, we need to speak directly and clearly to each other. It's time, in my humble opinion, that we Kiwis start saying what we actually mean. It's an interesting history the term passive-aggressive. The American military coined the term in World War II to describe soldiers who did not comply with the commands of their superiors. It was used to identify service members who engaged in passive resistance through grumbling, compliance, sullenness, procrastination, or intentional inefficiency. So they didn't directly contradict an order. They just followed through on the order slowly just slowly enough to make it clear they weren't happy with it or they grumbled or they were intentionally inefficient. So they they did the order but intentionally badly or they procrastinated just enough to not be defying their superiors to the point where they could actually be punished. And look, I'm not judging other people. That's the most horrific passive aggression I've heard lately came out of my mouth and it was directed at my kids. Recently, I said, to my children, this disgusted me after I'd said it, when I realised how passive-aggressive I'd been. I said, I guess I'll clean up, seeing as you two are so busy on your computer. What I should have said was, finish your game and clean up, please. That would be a powerful, honest and helpful way to convey my message. But I said, I guess I'll clean up, seeing as you two are so busy on the computer. It's so pathetic. Now, outside of the military, passive-aggressive behaviour is defined as indirectly expressing negative feelings instead of openly addressing them. A pass-ag person who is well aware someone hasn't done what they were supposed to do 
might say, say, for example, if they're supposed to put the bins out, they wouldn't say, you didn't put the bins out, or could you put the bins out? They say, I assume you put the bins out because I asked you to, so I assume you put the bins out. Or another example is if someone is late, they might declare, we were wondering if you were too busy to turn up. Now, the correct response to this kind of statement is, just say what you freaking mean, you coward. You absolute coward. If you're annoyed that I'm late, just say, hey, you're late. We've been waiting. Not cool, man. Or you didn't put the bins out. We'll be back in a second with just a little bit more self-sourcing. Now, to combat the uh, scourge of passive aggression in my life, I've made a pact with my children. If I employ the technique, they don't have to comply with the implied command. For example, if I say, I guess I'll do the dishes seeing as no one else ever does them, they do not have to do the dishes for a week. If they, if they can point that I've been passive aggressive, that's it. They don't have to do the dishes for the week. And if I gripe, maybe one day we'll watch something I like. They get complete control of the remote control for a week. And if, for example, I whinge, I guess I'll do the washing. It's not like I'm busy or anything. Then they don't have to do it. They don't have to do the washing. Any passive aggressive comment I make gifts my kids a free pass. And these punishments are severe. They're self-imposed but severe penalties. And it has quickly forced me to communicate directly. Do the dishes, please. Give me the remote now, please. Do your washing. Your clothes stink, you disgusting little pig gross something direct and clear with what you're saying everyone knows where they stand they may or may not do what you tell them to but it's clear what you want ignoring a whinging whining passive aggressive weak little snipe is easy but disobeying a clear command well that's a big deal isn't it someone's asked you to do something and you don't do it then there's a clear conflict there And you have to have some guts to stand up to that. But saying, maybe one day we'll watch something I like on the TV. Instead of, give me the remote, I want to watch what I like on TV. Or saying, we've watched a lot of your stuff, we're going to watch some of my stuff now. It is in all of our best interest, I believe, to police passive-aggressive tendencies. If we disagree with what we're asked to do, then we should just explain why. Don't do a go slow. Don't grumble and backstab. Just explain why you don't agree with the situation. You might be forced to do it. But at least have the guts to explain why you don't agree with it. Here's another example that may be familiar to a lot of you. Suppose your partner is out with friends and you want them home. You've got to keep your self-respect. You can't text things like, I hope you're having a great time with your mates. We were supposed to be hanging out tonight, but I guess you found something better to do. That text sucks. You said you would be home. You are out. That annoys me. That's all you need to text. You said you'd be home. You are out. That annoys me. It's the same information shared more directly and honestly. A passag comment or act, in my opinion, displays weakness. A direct request or action displays confidence. And you want to display confidence. Passive aggression is the scourge of Kiwi communication. 
And in my opinion, we must fight it wherever we find it. The best place to start is with yourself. That's why I'm doing my best to express myself directly and openly at home and at work. That's why I told my Australian friend right to her face. I says, I says, I says right to her face after she said that about New Zealanders being passive aggressive and, and New Zealanders not saying what they mean. I says, I says, I says to her, I says to my Australian friend, I'm so sorry our little country is too passag and not up to your big, amazing Aussie standards. Oh, lovely. And there it is. That brings uh, us to the end of another episode of The Resourcer, which is where we fill a hole in the Matt and Jerry Show podcast schedule by re-uploading some old self-sourcer podcasts. Go. I hope you've been enjoying these, by the way. We've actually had quite a lot of good feedback on them, so I do appreciate it. And once again, next week... On Boxing Day, we will be kicking off our very first ever summer series on the Matt and Jerry Show podcast. Myself, Matt Heath, Jeremy Wells, and uh, Ruta have gone through a lot of effort to kind of organise and set this up. So looking forward to being able to share those with you. But for now, I'll see you tomorrow for one more episode of The Resourcer. Goodbye. Ta-ra, you shit down.